Welcome to Showboys, a podcast that delves into the world of film and TV. Hosts Nick, Mike, and Cody take their water cooler talk from the office to the web as they discuss their favorite movies, shows, and all other content in between. In this week's episode, the boys make their top recommendations on the big three streaming services. So, what's watching? Welcome to this week's episode of Showboys. Uh, my name is Mike, and I'm joined as always with my lovely co-hosts, Nick and Cody. How you guys doing tonight? Doing splendid. Great. Tomorrow's Friday. True. Love Fridays. The best. They're the best. Except for around here. <laughs> true. Big rip. Thursday um, nights, because it's podcast nights. True. Uh, I've I've really been enjoying our Thursday night, uh, you know, weekly get-togethers and chats. Awkward silence. Oh, I thought my phone died. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, uh, before we get into our episode this week, uh, just wanted to uh, update everyone with a few things. Um, uh, as each episode has been released and the weeks have gone by, we've uh, slowly become available on a bunch of different podcast platforms. So um, we are now available on Google and Apple Podcasts uh, as of last week, which is really exciting, like two of the, the big ones. Uh, so you can find us there as well as you know all the normal places, uh, our YouTube channel, uh, we're on Spotify, Anchor, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. So uh, make sure that you um, you know check us out on whatever platform uh, suits your fancy there, and um, you know make sure you subscribe, like, follow, rate, uh, whatever comment. is uh, applicable to the platform you use. Uh, leave comments. Um, it, it really helps our show out and, and kind of get us out there into the ether. And, um, you know, we really like the feedback and the interaction. So it's a great way to kind of keep the conversation moving forward. Um, so along with, with those platforms, you can also follow us on our social media pages. We got, uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook all at Showboys podcast. And we also have a YouTube page, which you can find the link on our Facebook page. Um, speaking speaking of our Facebook page, uh, we're getting close to 100 followers. So uh, if you can help us out and you know share our page with your friends and uh, make sure that if you're listening, you've liked and, and followed the page, that would be a huge help and we'd appreciate it. And uh, our last little piece of news is uh, we got a lot of interesting and, and fun things planned for uh, the month of October. Uh, got a lot of 
fun episodes in in the pot. We got you know some spooky Halloween topics and uh, a couple episodes where we will be joined by some friends of ours to chat about some interesting things. So make sure you stay tuned and uh, you know look forward to those episodes coming down the pipe. With all that being said, episode four, here we are. What are we going to talk about today, boys? Well, I think we all agreed that we would talk about our top three recommendations on the top three streaming platforms. Which are? I think general consensus, especially as of 2019, it would be Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon Prime. You know, when we uh, when we came up with this idea for this episode, after a couple of days, I started to wonder, like, is should we consider Prime in like the top three? Jeff Bezos insists. <laughs> yeah, he gave me a million dollars to agree. Oh, dang, you guys are getting paid. Yeah, you're missing out, Mike. In 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 stock options, it sucks. Yeah, it's just straight down at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I really did. Because, uh, like, uh, personally, it's out of out of the, the three platforms you rattled off there, it's definitely my least watched. And when I talk with people, um, it, it seems like that's kind of, you know, at least the people in my circle kind of are similar to me where it's, like, kind of almost the forgotten about streaming service, but yeah, I think, I think a key. And I, when I was, I was actually looking this up earlier in the week because I, I had the same thought too. I'm like, what, you know, what is the actual top streaming platforms? And I think it's tricky because like, there's tons of platforms that you can stream content on, but I think those three kind of hit the mark because they have original content and are big pushers of that which I think kind of helps put them a little bit above the rest. Um, but obviously with like 2020 Disney plus and Hulu, you know, that kind of gets intermingled. So I think, you know, at a later episode, we would, you know, cover like Disney plus you could dive into like HBO, um, which I, you know, they're kind of making a bigger splash these days with HBO max. And I think it'll, you know, it'll play out over the next year. And probably a year from now, the top three that come to mind might be different. Yeah, it'll just all be Disney after they yeah. buy everything. Yeah, yeah. You know, they'll have their, their Netflix R-rated <laughs> subsidiary. Yeah. I think they're talking about doing a uh, more adult version of uh, of Disney Plus to try to get a, a wider audience. It would the be smart. Disney Channel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Disney After Dark. <laughs> Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, no, but this, um, not to like go too far down in the rabbit hole, but like, I think we kind of met, brought this up in our first episode or one of the earlier episodes. I say earlier episode when this is our fourth episode. So, I mean, <laughs> we're still yeah. in an earlier, earlier. episode, uh, <laughs> but, um, with Disney like continuing to buy up all these different companies and stuff, like, they have to think about you know, broadening their uh, horizons, you know, and, 
and making some more, you know, R-rated and adult-focused content if they're going to continue to you know buy things like Fox and Hulu and whatever or whatever other you know million companies that they've purchased by now. Yeah, I mean, outside of Star Wars, I don't know if there's anything else that I'd really want to watch on Disney Plus, which is why I haven't actually got around to it yet. Yeah. And I think sure. I even have a free trial and I still haven't got to yet. It's like, uh, I'm going to watch Star Wars on it and then never watch it again. You guys yeah. have kids, so maybe it's different, but... Yeah. I mean, you, I guess Nick, your kid might not be uh, watching <laughs> Disney yet, but... Yeah. No, I, I he watches lots of Star Wars with me. It's a good excuse Perfect. to watch Star Wars. Yeah, that sounds right. At this point, I mean... If you have Hulu, it would kind of be silly to not just, you know, bump your Hulu package up to the the bundle with Disney Plus and what I think ESPN Plus comes with that too. And it's like pretty much the same price as Netflix, I think, monthly. Don't they have a HBO add-on too? Yeah, they do. Yeah. yeah I think basically do it like, all through the Hulu app. Yeah, I think you can do um other premium channels like Stars or Showtime. I'm not certain, so I could be wrong, but um, I think I that's know. accurate. Yeah. Yeah, sounds all right. But yeah, so uh yeah, and the the whole thing with HBO too, that that was kind of the the service that in my opinion could compete for that third slot with Prime. Um I don't know really of any other. I don't think Disney Plus is really up to that level yet, but Right. Um, I think content wise, pers- my personal opinion, content wise, HBO blows them all out of the water. But mm-hmm. due to its accessibility, you know, over the past like 20 years, I think that's why it's just not hugely popular. It's just like everything on there is so good, but it's just very niche to, to the people who have watched it. Yeah. It's not like you can just, it, up until like last year, you couldn't just sign up for HBO. Um, it wasn't as as accessible as you know Netflix is. Yeah, it's also right. a lot more expensive. Right. Everybody says you know I'll pay the nine, ten, twelve, whatever it is now for Netflix, but nobody wants to cough up the money for for HBO. How much is HBO? Because I've been talking like literally for probably six months to the last year, like <laughs> every <laughs> yes. month or two. Like, man, I really want to like sign up for HBO. I don't know. They change the price tier so often that I can't keep up because they know that like they have an issue there with how much they're charging. So they like switch it up and I haven't been able to keep track, but it's always too expensive. Another thing that uh, has kind of thrown a wrench in my HBO plans is like HBO Max. Like, is that different? Is that like a separate HBO platform or is it like the new HBO platform that includes everything? Or Nick, Nick sounds like he knows all about it. About what now? HBO, HBO Max. Max. Yeah, that's what I was just looking up. Sorry. Um, no, the, like Cody said, the issue is is that they keep changing what their deal is, and I've, they've had like a flop launch of whatever was before Max because there was HBO Go, which you yep. got with your Directv subscription. Then there was HBO Now, which you could sign up separately for fifteen dollars or so a month, and that was supposed to be like the Netflix esque 
way of doing it. Um, but there's, but there's weird like nuances to it and it wasn't that simple. Um, so then I think they completely ditched, um, now go is still around as far as I know. Cause I still sign in with the direct TV login and that's how I watch it. And then max mm-hmm. was the most recent release to replace just kind of everything. Um, so but, how then much did it cost? but then there's like a free version of it. So here we go. This is, this is so like 15 years ago, two days left. $12 a month for 12 months. Cancel any time. Normally 15 mm. Okay. It's not terrible. So, I think that's that's where Netflix is these days. Yeah, my Netflix 4K version is like $17 now. But somewhere in all that crap, I remember them talking about like a free version where you could get all the older stuff. Which would totally be worth it because yeah. even the, the stuff that they have is like ten to twenty years old. All that stuff is what people need to start watching, anyways. The Wire and The Sopranos. I think The Wire you can watch on Prime for free. Mm-hmm. I've already done the two watch-throughs. I'll do a third one. <laughs> yeah, the thing the thing about Prime that I often forget is while their show category isn't like massive and like full of super great things. They have a ton of really good free movies. They're hard to find, but they do. I agree. And they, they have like pretty like, uh, recent, like obviously not new, but like, some of the movies that pop up on Prime for free, uh, I've been sh- surprised at how quickly they've popped up on Prime for free after, like, you know, their theatrical release and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, uh, I actually was just having this conversation the other day with a neighbor of mine. Um, like, I love to watch movies, but I love to watch movies in the theater and ever since COVID's been going on and the theaters have been closed, um, I haven't really watched many movies. It's just strictly all been shows uh, just because I, I, I love the experience of the theater and you know, watching a movie the way it was intended and to be viewed and the way it was filmed to be viewed. Um, so I don't watch many movies at home, but uh, every once in a while when I'm bored uh, at night, like, I'm not tired enough to go to sleep, but I'm not awake enough to want to like watch a, a show or something. I'll just like browse through the whatever streaming service and look for things to add to my list. And every time I go through Prime, it's just like, I can't believe this movie's on here for free. I can't believe that movie's on here for free. Then, of course, I never end up watching them because I would rather watch a movie in the theater. But hey, you have the option if you want to. Yeah, for sure. Well, with that, Mike, what's your uh, what's your Amazon choice? Ooh, uh, okay. So, get them. Good question. Um, and I'm gonna have to go with uh, the the Amazon original show called The Boys, hey. which I've been like preaching at you two to watch like ASAP, and you just my, ignore my calls. No, nah, my brother's been pitching it to me as well, so it must be pretty good. 
it's it's really good it's very uh very interesting take on the superhero genre for sure um the boys is based off of a comic series by the same title uh written by garth ennis and if you know we have any comic fans listening uh garth ennis also wrote uh the, the comic series called preacher which also was developed into a tv show that airs on amc i'm not sure if it's still running uh but it did air on amc and if it still running it's still on amc um the show the boys is produced by seth rogan and evan goldberg which sounds interesting but uh it, they they do a, a great job interestingly enough they are also executive producers on the show preacher uh they're big fans of garth ennis actually so it kind of makes sense that they you know tried to turn uh two of his comics into tv shows but um yeah interesting show for sure you, you guys haven't seen any episodes or any trailers or anything for the show not at all i have blatantly ignored your calls to watch it and i'm just loosely familiar with what you've described oh my gosh okay so quick quick premise of the show it's creeping um, up my list i promise well it needs to like Brent and Hurdle up your list. It's a, it really is. It's a it's a really fun show to watch. Brent, um, that's a good word. Yeah, it sounds made up. Brent oh. is a good word. I'm looking that up. Sounds fake. <laughs> it's a goose. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, quick premise on the show though. Uh, you follow uh, the character Huey, who is played by Jack Quaid. Um son of Dennis Quaid. Whoa. Um, he, I, I, see, I want to tell you guys about it, but I don't want to like spoil anything. Something tragic happens to Huey in the like, you know, first few minutes of the first episode that involves a superhero who is a part of a group called the seven, which is like this world's version of of the Avengers or the Justice League. And like quick very quickly, like within like the first 10 minutes of the show, you're like, whoa, this is really messed up. And basically you learn that like the world is, you know, full of superheroes. But they're like exploited by a huge corporation called the Vought Corporation and marketed and just like just completely used to rake in all the money that is printed. Um, they're like the superheroes are more concerned about their image, public appearance, their image, making tons of money and using their powers to benefit them instead of like being servants of the people and actual heroes. So it's like a, just a super dark take on what superheroes might actually be instead of how they're portrayed in like comics and stuff. And uh, it's just the, the main character Huey and uh, the, the other main character that um, kind of comes into Huey's life called Billy Butcher, who is played by um, Carl Urban. They're both like 
really well acted, really, really well written characters. It's super funny. Um, the superheroes, they're all kind of based off of uh, DC heroes. Um, so like you have a, a version of Batman, a version of Superman, a version of Flash, Aquaman, Wonder Woman. Who else? Uh, there's there's like a whole bunch of different heroes, but like the majority of them are based loosely on some of the more popular DC heroes. And it's like I it's it's a hard show to describe other than it's like very dark, very funny and like very brutal. Um, but basically you follow Huey and, and Billy Butcher on their quest to kind of take down the the seven and the superheroes it's i think on that when you first described it i mean i think i was generally um disinterested in superheroes at the time just because that all came to its peak with marvel kind of happening so i think i was just kind of burnt out on superhero stuff and that's why i didn't originally take but the concept of how you know everyone there's a lot of superheroes and they it's kind of more realistic in the sense that you could see that happening like if there were superheroes today there'd probably be a bunch that were monetized oh yeah and it's 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 great because like they have groupies they like take advantage of like wait superhero groupies yeah dude it's it's hilarious like it's so funny but it's like it's imagine like if superheroes were like rock stars, yeah, like that's kind of the the vibe. But they like are all douchebags, and they're all like super messed up, and just like the parodies of DC's like equivalent heroes are hysterical. Like mm-hmm. Superman's version, or yeah, the the Superman character and the boys. His name is Homelander, and he's like super patriotic like on the surface but like super vain like and just controlling and and wants everyone to like worship him i don't know him instead of like i don't know it's you guys have to watch it like as soon as you have a free moment i think that depends on whether nick's amazon recommendation is better than yours Mm. decent segue i don't think I don't think mine is better, admittedly. But it's <laughs> a good start. <laughs> Excellent picnic next. Yeah, not 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 very much confidence there. No, I mean, okay, so I think it's mostly the nature of it. Um it's it's kind of like a period piece, but um also you, kind of you have piqued my attention. I love okay. period pieces. Exactly. Yeah. So so my pick for Prime, and it, it was kind of it was between this and another, and I guess we'll throw out uh, honorable mentions after each group. But my pick for a Prime is the Man in High Castle. Um, oh, fucker! <laughs> oh man! What? See, I knew it was gonna happen. How do we so, do that? Full, full full disclaimer: None of us shared our lists with the other people. And we were all overly confident wow. that this would not happen. <laughs> we literally talked about it. I was sure we would not come up with the same one. 
Dude, uh, this is the one I was worried. Or was I worried about this and Netflix? No, you were worried about the Netflix pick. Okay. Well, if you, if you're worried about the Netflix pick, I'm worried about it. Like, if you got this one <laughs> the same, there's a high chance the next one's going to be the same. Wow. I can do my backup if you if you want to take. No, that, no. Guess. How about I? No, I'll just chime in. I, I think we're okay. both recommending it. I'll just chime in and fill in uh wherever you want. All right. One of my my. My confidence is boosted over Mike's now. Because, <laughs> yeah, Mike sucks. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, the boys, I would have recommended it just for how much uh, Mike recommends it, but The Man in High Castle, um, it is a period piece. So basically what it covers, and I believe it's books, um, Cody fill in there. Yep, 1962 novel. Yeah, so essentially what it does is it rehashes out how World War II ends and essentially the Nazis in J- Japan win. Um, yep. And the Japanese take everything up into like the Rocky Mountains. So, like, that's the West Coast is Japan. And then there is the Rockies, which is neutral, kind of what's left of America. And then everything from the plains to the East Coast is Nazi America. And that's the biggest interesting part that I like about it because it takes place in this America that was just obviously lost, divided up amongst Japanese culture and Nazi culture. So it does a lot of world building and showing you what New York looks like when the Nazis take over and they kind of turn it into their new um, seat of power in America. And the same thing with the West coast and like you see San Francisco kind of, adopted into japanese culture so just from those kind of aspects it's just a really cool show um but there's a but the premise around it is the main character and i'm probably going to explain this terribly but there's these films that are moving about kind of like this resistance cell and these films that are made by this person no one knows really where they come from at first they show what actually happened in our history, right? So they show the Nazis losing, they show, you know, Japan with the A-bombs, and they show this history that we know, but one that's foreign to them. And it's kind of seen as by, you know, the Japanese and the Germans that these are just negative propaganda, kind of, or, you know, they're just flat out wrong. But there is some sort of truth to it because these same characters appear in all the films and these characters are actually in the world that the show is in. So it does a lot of interesting things story-wise and a lot of things as far as running two parallel histories, if that makes sense. Yep, that actually pretty pretty well sums it up. I was going to say as a uh, history major and a history buff, that's what initially got me into it. I love the uh, parallel alternate universe and different timelines and, you know, playing out these game scenarios where, you know, one side that lost ends up winning and the side that won ends up losing and just, you know, kind of playing it out to it to its end. Um, but then it actually kind of builds from that and it gets into more, you know, science fiction elements. And, uh, you know, as you were saying, it was propaganda or treated like propaganda and it was burned and banned and, you know, it's it was treated as fake news 
But as they get into the later seasons, you see this isn't just propaganda, but this is like, this is a thing. And that's where the sci-fi elements come into it. And they start getting into portals and they're like, is an alternate universe, right? We're not just looking at an alternate timeline, but the alternate timeline is um, existing in the same universe as the original, the, the timeline that we know in real life. And it's kind of cool seeing characters come to grasp with that. Yeah, because all the characters in the show in this alternate timeline that they live, um, they all have these interactions and relationships in different ways. But in, in the actual timeline, in these films, you can see these same people in these different relationship situations where two people might just be acquaintances or at either ends of, you know, the fight, if you will, in their alternate reality, they might be married with kids in the actual Mm -hmm. reality. So they do like really interesting things that way with it. Is the show still running or is it over? It ended in 2019. There were uh, four seasons, 10 episodes each. So it's actually not that hard to push through it. I think they're around an hour long. Um, Sweet spot, four seasons. Yep. So not quite three like Netflix likes to do, but four. Um, and I think the final season was pretty good and kind of tied up a lot of the loose ends. Um, there were stuff that didn't get quite tied up and actually just from researching it this week. Um, I guess the book kind of ended ambiguously too and wanted people to fill in um, their kind of own takeaways and fill in the blanks for themselves. So I guess the TV show purposely tried to do that a little bit too. Nice. Yeah, and kind of like And kind of like a disclaimer, I will say like the first season is because it is so kind of undeveloped, like they really stuck with a very particular um, take on the books because I think they weren't sure if it was going to be good or not or popular Mm -hmm. enough. So I feel like they kind of set, you know, season one up one way and they kind of kept their, you know, the, the story arc a little narrow, but then season two just kind of blows it wide open. And I think season two is like one of my f- my favorite season because there's a whole bit where they, you know, they go actually to Germany. So you see this Germany and it's very like flourished, you you know, almost utopia for them. Um, and they just really do the world building just like to another level. That was really cool. Yep. Yep. That was pretty good. <laughs> it, yep. No, it, it was. <laughs> I was going to say two, seasons two and three were also my favorite. Season one was a little bit boring, but I think it's because I came to such high expectations for what what the show was going to be based on the, the summary of it, the description of what I was coming and expecting. And really, it's just a lot of world building and character building. And it wasn't like crazy. I thought this was going to be like absolutely insane, like right from the jump. And it wasn't. It was more period piece. There wasn't as much sci-fi elements. And I want to say they changed directors once or twice after the first season. So that's another reason why they might have went um in a different direction and it kind of picked up the speed a little bit and everything kind of popped off more than what you what you saw in the first season the fir- the first season is kind of foreign after you've seen you know the la- the rest of the seasons because even yeah. i even would say like there were some acting elements that were subpar um to your, like what you would expect and there's just some like iffy um kind of scenes and things like that but overall, I mean, I would say just as soon as season two starts, like the improvement just instantly takes off and they start and going and they get into all the other characters, too, which is really cool. And DJ Qualls. Right. 
from New Guy. Yeah. As soon as I saw him in there, I'm like, oh my god, this is going to be an interesting character. And he was. He was a good character. <laughs> and uh, the reviews for it are pretty good. Mid 80% range for pretty much across the board. Nice. Is, and that's a, a Prime original? Yeah. Yep. Nice. Wow. So, a little sa- sidebar here. When you guys went through and picked your shows for each platform, did you try to pick originals, or did you just try to find a show that's streaming on that service? I went back and forth on it, but I think I stuck to originals. Just to I, be uh... fair, to, Just to be fair to the platform. Yeah, I made my lists and then I favored originals. Um, but in my Hulu example, it is not an original per se, but I have a little bit of backup as to why it kind of is. Yeah, it was kind of, we didn't really discuss like if we wanted to try to, to head that direction or not. So I didn't really think much of it but i'm going to be interested to see it you know how how many of the shows that we talk about are are service originals or if they're just you know shows that stream on it or whatever i'm guessing a high number especially if uh nick and i keep picking the same ones (laughs) yeah well i mean to kind of like recap uh prime it sounds like everyone should not have an issue watching the two things we obviously recommend (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah prime like i mean they i have as, I mean, as far as originals go on prime i mean you have you have the boys you have the man in the high castle you have uh the marvelous miss Maisel, i believe mm-hmm. which is a pretty highly regarded show um carnival th- row is my alternate oh yeah carnival row i totally forgot about that is that your honorable mention that was my well that was one of my honorable mentions but it was between that and man in high castle Nice. Yeah, I totally yeah. forgot about Carnival Row. That show's awesome. Yeah, I think I think it was your your comment, you know, you were kind of going off of things that like got you excited. So ultimately to me, the man highest castle is just I nerd I would nerd more out on that. Oh yeah. Yeah. The mm-hmm. the shows that I pick definitely are ones that like really get me hyped up. Um uh what what were your honorable mention? mentions or you know singular honorable mention cody uh my honorable mentions for netflix so i'll save it for that one okay um yeah so i had a really hard time narrowing down shows for all of the platforms so i have like a million options so I, i'm not gonna particularly talk too much in depth about about these honorable mentions but um you know aside from nick bringing up carnival row which is a fantastic show and I'm really mad at myself that I forgot about that one because it is like it's if they give it a chance to like, you know, continue on for multiple seasons, the world that they established in the first season is amazing. And I'm really excited to see, you know, where the story goes and, and what happens with the characters that we've met. Um, But I, I had Homecoming as an honorable mention, which I've talked about in a previous episode. Uh, I had Mr. Robot as an honorable mention, which I've talked mm-hmm. about in a previous episode. Uh, but then I had a show called Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams, which is... Good Lord. I know. Yeah, what name. a title. Uh, I stumbled on this randomly one night when I was searching through the queue, you know? And it's 
pretty much it's Amazon's like version of Black Mirror, though not nearly as bleak and depressing and uh, you know utterly. So all dark the things I like Black about Black Mirror. Mirror. <laughs> yeah, but it it definitely had um, a few you know very interesting stories in some of their episodes. It's, it's an anthology series, so every episode. Um, hey is different and tells a different story with different actors and actresses. Um, so if you ever get bored and you're completely out of, you know, ideas for things to watch, um, yeah, throw on an episode or two of electric dreams on prime. Wait, did you really like that? Cause I might actually like this. Yeah, no, there, I, I don't recall if I've watched the entire season, but I do remember, you know, a handful of episodes that, you know, kept my interest and were, you know, fun to kind of watch through. Hmm. Yeah, I might give that one a shot. Yeah, it's a it's a little bit more like science fiction and like trippy type things and less like extremely so like... depressing, like <laughs> murder or like whatever insane stuff Black Mirror does, though so I like love Black Mirror. Twilight Zone or Outer Limits or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. But if if I would have rem- have remembered Carnival Row, and before Nick mentioning it, I would that would be my honorable mention over Electric Dreams. But but neither you know both of those shows are are good ones to watch. I would definitely recommend Carnival Row over Electric Dreams though. All right. Noted. Quick point on Carnival Row. I feel like it. And maybe this is an Amazon Prime thing, but I feel if they go with a second season, I feel like it's going to be way better than the first. Yeah. I, I think that's like the trajectory. You know what I mean? As far as like they set that show up well, it didn't nearly blow me out of the water, but I feel like if they keep going, it will be really good. So. Well, Cody would argue with your second season being better than the first when it comes to Homecoming. <laughs> Not quite. Good. Not, not better. Not better. Yeah. Not better. Um. So, Amazon's out of the way. No more uh, honorable mentions from Amazon. Nope. I'm good. Cool. Um. All right. So, Cody, what what did you pick for for Netflix? Since we kind of were, you know, talking about that. No, I have a theme to mind. We have to do Hulu next. Okay, Hulu, what's up? What's your, your pick for All right. Hulu? Alright, I stuck the dystopian for Hulu. So that's why you gotta go next. Hulu, okay, I did okay. The Handmaid's Tale. And I think Hulu. we've talked about that before. Oh, dude, I don't wanna, I don't wanna, you know, speak out of turn here, but I feel like that's really close to being a show that Nick would have picked. I will, it? I will admit it was my second choice. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> I ultimately <laughs> against it. <laughs> wow. Something about great minds and thinking alike. That, that would be my Hulu um, honorable mention, though. <laughs> it's a good choice. It's a great show. Well, and that's why I picked it. And next? No, uh, it's good. It's good. It's good. Um, well, Nick can uh, chime in whenever and then since he's also uh, seen it and liked it. But it's uh, another dystopian uh, 
future. It's set around, I think, 2005. So obviously that's not future to us, but I think the book was written back in the 80s, uh, 1985. So it was written, written in a future time period. Um, there's a second civil war that breaks out. So again, this is kind of like Man in the High Castle-esque. You have uh, something in history happening that didn't really happen. Um, and you get to see, um, again, what happens to America and how it looks different and what's changed. It touches on a bunch of um, themes that most people would find interesting. Um, gender and politics and uh, religion gets touched on. and So all uh, the things that bring us all together, right? Yeah, exactly. I, think it's, I don't think it's overly political, meaning that if you um, are on one side of the aisle, you would love or hate it, though obviously it's written from a viewpoint that um, probably more aligns with one side than the other. However, I think you can watch it and put that aside and still enjoy it just fine. Um, the book itself is actually pretty a pretty hot topic, too. I read that it's on the number, it's number 37 on the list of 100 most challenged books of, like, all time. So, uh, yeah, it gets some heat. Um, but the show itself is ranked number 25 on a list of uh, best shows of the 21st century. It's won mm. um, numerous awards. It's been nominated for many more awards. Um, and as far as Hulu goes, I think it's really the best show that they've made so far. And they still have one more season that I know of for sure coming in 2021. And uh, the original book was written back in 1985. They just wrote a uh follow-up book in 2019 and i believe season four is supposed to follow um that new book so it's a, a follow-up of the follow-up it is a follow-up of the original written many years later so i think this is a margaret At margaret atwood book that she wrote originally in 1985 and then uh the sequel novel which is the testament uh was just written la last year in 2019 oh okay and you're saying that's what the next season yeah may so I, be following yeah i think season four okay. is supposed to follow that new book nice. so some uh new source material you have anything to add to that nick i know you're a fan of that show no yeah he covered it pretty well um i mean overall that that's a good show i think what i like about it is it just challenges a lot of different uh concepts that you know we don't really have to think about too much but it takes these you know orbiting concepts that are kind of like hot topics but it places them very front and center in this world where they are very much the topics um and a little they do a little bit on the world building they don't do as much of it as i like but they do enough of it where it you know piques my interest there um but really kind of just the uh I guess the adventure of it, even though they don't go very f many places, but um, just kind of how it constructs this period that they're living in and the parallels that obviously the writer was kind of saying like, hey, we could go in this direction. Like it's not completely unfeasible. And I've actually um, heard people say that they don't want to watch it, uh, particularly women who don't want to watch it because it is a little bit too real. In that, <laughs> you know, it's a little frightening, especially for them to think about like that kind of situation happening. Yeah, it's a bit too on the nose. Yeah. yeah I exactly. mean, and it touches a lot of topics that are near and dear to a lot of people. For me, I think it's most similar to like 
1984 book. Mm. You see kind of a lot of those themes, kind of, you know, government overreach and watching you and being suspicious of um, not just those that have power over you, but your own friends and the people you work with and the, the anxiety is not so much, um, you know, the commanders, her bosses, her, you know, whatever. It's kind of not knowing who to trust and if, you know, the person who should be on your side is actually on your side or if they're going to turn you in to save themselves. And I think that's a really, it's something that does really well is it doesn't, it doesn't explicitly say like, oh, these are the bad guys and like, these are the good guys. It really is just kind of dropping people in this very unfathomable situation and kind of, you don't know what's going to happen because what would, you know, it's kind of like, what would you do in that situation? What would anyone do? And there isn't necessarily a very black and white painting of what is going on in the show. It's very open-ended in that respect. Cause like, even like the, um, now what's his name? What are they called? Uh, the commanders. Yeah. Like the commanders, like they're not necessarily the bad guys. Like they do a good job putting, you know, they're humans, you know, um, they made choices in this entire aspect of american life went on by the choices that these people made during hard times who was it they they assassinated they um read it the uh how this spun off they assassinated the president who overthrew congress and then were able to um achieve power over control over like two-thirds of the united states I would say they, the one thing they don't do a great job of is kind of showing the geography of it and how like the U.S. breaks down at this point. It's basically like the Northwest United States of Canada who's like fighting against um, Gilead, which is um, the, the country that the Handmaids belong to. Right. Yeah, and I would say that's one thing that they do undershoot is kind of the explanation of how they got to this point. And I think they kind of try to piece that together to you through different snippets. But mm-hmm. overall, like the, you know, the spatial awareness of like what is happening outside of this isn't quite there, but maybe that's intentional. Yeah, it could be. And it feels like a period piece when you walk, look at them, um, the way they dress, the way they talk, mm-hmm. um, the homes that they live in. It has a very like old vibe to it. But then when they do the flashback, you realize it's like, oh, no, this is like modern day. But they threw everything back intentionally to like civil war times like that's kind of what the dress and atmosphere comes off to me but it's like totally in the 2000s yeah they would they switch over to canada occasionally there's like scenes and things going on in canada and canada is completely normal (laughs) do they all look like uh the south park canadians no they don't when they talk i mean it's basically (laughs) basically america canada Canada. yeah it's it's canada overran by americans running from america (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we just made it America 2.0. Nice. You know, back to your guys' point though about uh it kind of uh, I've never seen the show. Uh so I'm just going off of what you guys were talking about, but how you guys were talking about how it kind of touches on subject matter and and topics and and th- themes and things that you know kind of I'm assuming mirror some of the issues that are going on in you know our our current society that kind of make people feel a little uncomfortable and whatnot but i think um 
uh, the thing about art and this this medium that we you know shows and movies that that we like so much i think there's something to being able to use your stories and you know whatnot to kind of like force people to have to think about those things Mm -hmm. um now there's like a fine line that you have to like be wary of like you kind of have to you know do it tastefully to where it actually works for your story and like you know maybe not like cram your ideology or whatever like directly down people's throats but if if the if the creator is able to execute that in the correct way like that that is something that is very valuable because it it forces you to like or at least me i love shows or movies that do this where like i have to like wrestle with that uncomfortable thought or like situation that a character was put in or something and just really be like why is that the way it is or like what would i do in that situation or like, you guys mm-hmm. understand what i'm saying yeah i think i think she did the both author and then the uh the directors of the show did a good job of making it clear that it's it's um 100 satire like there's no group in existence that's going to be offended by watching this and think that they're getting personally called out like it's taken completely to the logical extreme to say like in this fantasy world where there's this giant slippery slope and you know everybody went way 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 far out of control this is what it could look like mm-hmm. but i don't think anybody would watch this and be like oh yeah they're they're picking on us or they're calling out us in, in some type of way if you feel called out by it that's probably more of an issue with you than than the writer yeah, at this yeah. point because it's i mean yeah. it's pretty extreme i mean it it, it it's exactly right because it takes you know a slippery slope that we're aware of right and it goes down that slope to the point where it's not you know fantasizing this you know the end of that slope being good or good for anyone because they, they show the the negative aspects of just the fact that they went down that road to that extreme mm-hmm. so you know it's the the bad people the antagonists are not these you know they're not they're not painted in this good light necessarily um even by their own measure like they have their own issues that are coming of themselves going down that road mm-hmm. yep exactly the commander and uh his wife whose names are escaping me right the second um you see how their marriage is kind of torn apart by it because she went from somebody that had um a modicum of power and influence and actually use that power to push for her to be depowered to uh to lose that power and you see her kind of coming to grips with the fact that she kind of brought this on herself and she's not exactly thrilled about it now and then he also has his own issues that you see kind of play out in the show i don't want to give anything away but um I think they play a board game, chess or something, that um, he kind of reveals some of the issues that he has with the society. Right. Yeah, it it definitely... um, There's a lot of decision reflection in that show. You know, Mm -hmm. all the characters come to grips with the decisions that they made. Um, And that's, like, really what the show mostly is. Obviously, except for the main character, who wasn't really much of her decision. She was kind of just a 
taken. She was actually literally <laughs> taken in Does the woods. Liam Neeson show up? Yeah, he. Yeah, I have a he, particular set of skills. He's in the first episode. <laughs> yeah. She does have a husband that's not particularly useful for the uh, entire length of the series that I've seen so far. But nice. Yeah, yeah he just kind of chills in Canada and waits. And making us look just, good. It's just sad America. It's just sad. America. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike, you're the Hulu expert. What's your Hulu choice? Um. I'm going to let Nick go first. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. So I feel like I'm going to break any sort of pattern. We might be following this episode, which I feel good about. Um, So this is the Hulu pick and this isn't a Hulu original, but also it isn't an original anywhere here in America. So this is really the only feasible place for us to watch it outside of a very separate specific subscription uh, to a service to watch it. And it would be an anime called Attack on Titan. Mm. Yeah. I've heard a lot about this show. Same. Never watched it, though. So tell me more. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So it's an anime. it is utterly intense. And the first season, like every 10 minutes, five minutes, I don't know, within the first two episodes, like it was just constant jaw drop because what was happening was just, you would not believe it. Um, is this the show that has like the giant, like skinless? Yeah, thingies. So, so totally like butchering that probably, but they look yeah, like giants scary. without skin. Well, it is scary. So actually, actually <laughs> well, perfect. I know it's nice. So I'm, I'm <laughs> going to slide it into the theme that Cody's going with with the whole dystopian thing. Mm-hmm. So it isn't per se exactly a future Earth or anything like that, but essentially there is this. They live in this time where society collapsed because. They be, humans came under attack by these things called titans, which are essentially very um, odd-looking humans that are ranging from 10 meters tall to like 100 meters tall. And they're initially portrayed as these mindless things that just their whole intention is just really to just go eat people. So <laughs> in the... Nice. All of humanity has just been eaten to near extinction until there's this society that exists where there's a series of walls and we're talking like 100 meter walls. And I'm going to say meter with everything because that's the system they use in the show. Yeah, we don't use that in America. So uh, go ahead and switch that to feet. Lots of feet. Very <laughs> yeah, tall. Lots of feet. Many, many feet. Much, much tall. Very huge wall. Huge. Um, so there's these series of walls and... You know, it's a big circle. It's almost like they've done the math. It's like unfeasible. But, um, you know, people live in different layers. And the closer you get to the middle, the higher up in society you are. And the middle is like kind of like utopia that's untouched by this rough life outside of the walls. So everyone, you know, they don't go outside of the walls because they're just going to get eaten. So that's always a good feeling to have. But it focuses on 
this boy who very early on some tragic things happen blah 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 he joins um this group which essentially are like rangers um i think they're called the scouts in the show something to that effect but they they venture outside the wall to kind of scout make sure everything's good out there they just really kind of dance with these things and really risk their lives and a lot of people just think it's you know they're kind of idiotic to a point but the show evolves and it, it goes into just the history you know how the walls came to be how the society came to be what the titans actually are and like their connections to the whole history of things because the whole thing happened like the present day in the show like this had been happening for hundreds of years so much of the memory of how they got to that point is lost because it was kind of safeguarded by the elite and it's kind of been brainwashed into the people just like, Oh yeah, it's just out there. Um, so I think that kind of makes sense, but it is an anime. So there is a lot of like weird things that go on that are kind of hard to describe, but it's just a very intense show. It takes you, it really kind of like, you never know what's going to happen. And just like ridiculous, crazy shit just is constantly happening to where you're just like gripped to the screen watching it. Okay, so I think I've only seen one anime, and I don't even know if it's an anime for sure, but Dragon Ball Z, does it compare in any way to that? Um, No, this would, I would call this more in the sense of a like traditional uh, Japanese anime. Um, okay. Then kind of like more of the Americanized Dragon Ball Z, but. Oh yeah, I'm completely ignorant to it. I I admit that. But it uh it still involves lots of yelling. Everything's very intense. <laughs> they you know people talk you know they talk fast and everything's just like the most dramatic thing happening in your life at that moment. Um, but cool things that the show does like they kind of use these uh the, they're like holster things that are like steam powered or whatever. And they shoot these zip lines from their hips basically. And they like swing through the city and that's how they fight the Titans. So the, the action in it is really cool. And it's all about like, just like stabbing the Titans in the neck or whatever. Uh, <laughs> so the combat nice. is like really cool. Skinless people getting stabbed in the neck. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they just like any, I definitely need to, you know, jump into the world of anime. I feel like I would really love it. I just never have given it a shot. And it's better with um, subtitles in the original, not the dubbed version. Dubbed version works, but definitely for the voices on the characters when they're younger, it's much more tolerable in the original Japanese version than the American one. Hmm. But I would just, I would just rip into it and just hit like, three at three four episodes and see if it sticks how many yeah. minutes per episode they're like 24 okay oh, not, okay yeah good. i think the last anime i watched was pokemon hmm. if you would consider anime? that an anime yeah, see that's know. how i feel i don't even know like cause i watched digimon i want to say i would call those cartoons fair enough Are you sure? What? That's it. I gotta Google it. Google it. All right, 
definition. But yeah, I recommend. Where's Ray when we need him? Ray would know. Yeah. Is Pokemon an anime? According to Wikipedia, it is a Japanese anime television series. Ah, wow. There we go. See if we watched anime. That's right. Yeah, I've, but it, for real though, I've I've heard a lot of really uh, good things about Attack on Titan and um, a few of the like, <clears throat> excuse me, a few of the um, like pop culture sites I follow. Um, yeah, I've written a lot of you know good articles and stuff about Attack on Titan, but I just like I don't I don't know why. I mean, it's not just an anime thing. It's like animated in general like i think the only animated show i've watched in quite some time is rick and morty and that's not even that like frequently but it's not that like i dislike animated or would dislike anime shows i just like for whatever reason they never like jump out at me but i'll definitely have to give that one a shot yeah Yeah, sounds pretty cool to me too yeah, I mean, I would say animated stuff accounts for at least 30% of what I watch, if not 40. Nice. Yeah, I honestly wouldn't have guessed that. Cool. That's a that's on Hulu? Yeah, it. Yeah, you can watch it. I'm pretty sure you can watch it all on Hulu. Uh, nice. Yeah, because they, they rip it from uh, Adult Swim as it played. Ah, uh, okay. That on makes sense. Cartoon Network or whatever. Um, yeah. But I also think they have some other rights to it where it's just kind of always there. Um, yeah. But that that's the place to find it. Unless you have like a Crunchyroll subscription, but that's like the specific. Oh, uh, yes. Crunchyroll. Yeah. That's what I have. So I guess it's my turn then. Also. All right. So my Hulu and Netflix uh, picks kind of have a similar genre of uh true crime so uh my hulu pick i know right um my my pick on hulu actually isn't an original and none of my honorable mentions are original shows um but my pick is fargo which uh i think i've briefly mentioned before but um have either of you guys heard of the show Fargo, not the movie, though it is related? Only by you. Only yep, by me. Only through you. Wow. Jeez. Okay. You guys are really missing out. Damn. Uh, this show. It, have you seen the movie Fargo? Or no? Also, no. I no? think it's been in my Netflix watch list for as long as it was on Netflix. Okay. Well, never clicked play. It's pretty much the movie Fargo, but as a, a show. It's an anthology series. Uh, three seasons are out right now, and the fourth season actually uh, kicks off on the 27th. So coming up here in the next couple of days. Um, I believe it airs on FX, I think, pretty sure. Uh, but it, it um, you know, the replays end up on Hulu. Um, but yeah, it's a very quirky, like dark comedy type show in the true crime genre. 
And uh, like I said, it's an anthology. So each season, not episodes. So the season, each season contains a story. Um, But it's kind of like a different take on anthologies. Because um, I kind of don't want to like say this and spoil it. So I won't go in like super detail. But each season kind of ties in past seasons in a very cool way. So it's like they're telling different stories, but like they're all, they all exist in the same universe. And like sometimes involve, you know, sharing characters between seasons. Mm -hmm. Um, As in the actors and actresses that play that character or the actual character themselves. Uh, the you know, actual you know like American Horror Story style, or no, like um, again, with, I don't want to give away too many details, but um, okay, yeah, like yes, characters, okay. not yeah, actors and actresses. Well um, but <laughs> yeah, but like along with that, uh, speaking of actors and actresses, um, the cast is like insanely star-studded, so. Like the first season, I had Billy Bob Thornton, Martin Freeman. Um, the new season that's about to come out here, season four, has Chris Rock, um, Jason Schwartzman. Uh, season two, I believe, uh, Kristen Dunst was in it. Uh, her husband, actually, I believe they're married. Uh, Jesse Plemons, who it, it might not be a household name but if you saw him you'd know exactly who i'm talking about if you watched breaking bad he uh man i guess i can just look at his imdb and see the character's name from breaking bad but he plays a a small role in, in the later seasons of breaking bad uh or speaking of black mirror from like 30 minutes ago uh have either of you guys seen the like star trekky episode of black mirror isn't that the first episode of the latest season? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's the main character from from that episode. Oh, really? The creepy one? Yeah. That's him? Yeah, that's Jesse Plemons. What? Okay, he's then a, yeah, definitely he's a great actor. Is. Dude, he's uh, awesome. Yeah. Patrick Wilson is in it. Ewan McGregor is in it. Damn. Uh, like, I mean, it's like uh, you know, loaded. Each season you know, is, is very well cast. Um, Dude, I'm watching on the pure fact that Obi Wan Kenobi is in it. <laughs> you That's me. your winning argument, there you right go. there, Mike. Yeah. There you go. Oh, there's Mar- there. I'm there. Yeah, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is in the that season with you and McGregor. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it, the the cinematography is stunning. It's well shot. It's it, like I said before, it's very quirky and like almost like borderline campy, but not in a cheesy way. Like it works very well in you know this this show for whatever reason. Um, but uh, one cool thing that that I didn't really know wasn't true until I looked it up because I was like, "There's no way this is true." At the beginning of every episode, like after it does kind of the cold open or whatever, and uh, you know the 
credits start rolling or or what what have you uh text pops up on the screen and it i don't remember exactly what it says but basically it's like this is a true story all the characters or all the 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 people who have died their names have been changed to you know show respect to their families all the the people who survived their names remain the same blah 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 and i was like after watching a few episodes of the first season i was like there is no way that this is a true story and then it turns out i looked it up and yeah none of them are true stories it's just like a funny thing that they decided to add at the beginning of every single episode what really? I thought you were going to say, yeah, it is based on a true story. How crazy. No, it's it's the opposite. It's just like I don't know why they decided to do that, but I find that like hilarious for some reason. Um Yeah, that's pretty funny. Yeah, but each story, each season, the story is really captivating and and they're like borderline absurd where I I mean by that like Almost each story follows like an ordinary person or group of people who just by chance or a string of awful luck, like just happen to find themselves in the middle of like some serious like criminal activity or like <laughs> something insane that happened that really puts them in a bad place. And it's like funny, you know, with you know, certain dialogues. And of course, all these uh, stories take place, you know, in in the greater north. So they all have hilarious, like, accents. Um, But you just follow along these people who you feel really bad for and, like, are really rooting for. And just, like, they, you just watch them continually dig themselves into, like, these massive holes. And you're just like, oh, my gosh, this is, like, this is awful, but like it's hilarious, and like I can't stop. It's like watching a train wreck. I mean, train wrecks are not funny, but like you, you, you just can't look away. You can't stop watching. Um, is the show yeah. itself funny, or is it more of a drama? Like... Uh, yes. Okay. It, it, it is a drama, but it's like, uh, you know, labeled as a dark comedy, so it's like it is intended to be funny, but it's also pretty dramatic. At the okay. same time, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's a really, really interesting show. And if you like the movie Fargo, you're going to love the show Fargo. Um, they're like loosely connected. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited for season four. And like I was saying, like Chris Rock is one of the main characters in season four, which I'm like really you know, looking forward to this story and seeing if they continue on with the trend of somehow figuring out a way to intertwine the past seasons uh, because the, I, I believe season four takes place like a couple decades prior to the other seasons. So I'm kind of interested to see you know, if they keep the trend up and if they do how they execute that. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. I had several. Nick, you there? Yeah, I think Nick fell asleep. <laughs> Nick, you no, did? I am alive. I did have a handful. Hulu was probably... Uh, Netflix was the hardest one for me to decide on, but like I had the most uh, 
options to choose from in Hulu. Just I, I seem to um, You're go through the, the the platforms and phases and for whatever reason, the last several months, I've just been on a huge Hulu binge. Uh, kind of, I think we, you know, kind of dusted over this, uh, you know, in one of the past episodes. But um, I think it's easy to get, you know, you kind of get stuck on a platform for a while because, like, once you watch something good on it, then you see other stuff. You just, I don't know, it's easier to click that reoccurring app and whatever. Yeah watching it on and like you just go hang out in there and that's just kind of like what you're working through yep and then you at some point you're like oh crap i've watched everything <laughs> i need something mike new. i think that's just you oh i feel yes. terrible now really? thanks <laughs> um it's just like well i finished netflix yeah i what's next i win when's netflix two come out um <laughs> But yeah, so uh, this one, I had quite a few honorable mentions, and uh, the, there's only there's one I kind of want to not go into super detail about, but it was it was a very hard for me to to pick between Fargo and this one. But I'll, I'll mention the other ones that I'm not going to really talk too much about, other than uh, say you should watch the show Black Sails, great show, period piece. If you like pirates, you'll like Black Sails. It's pretty neat. Um, Preacher, which I kind of mentioned when I talked about the boys, uh, Preacher, and I think most AMC shows are streaming on Hulu. Um, but if you have watched any of the boys and you like that that vibe and the aesthetic of of the boys and just kind of like the really over the top story, um, you'll love Preacher because it's absolutely insane. Um. Uh, a little show by some guy. I'm not sure if either of you guys have heard of uh, Donald Glover, but he has a show called Atlanta. Yeah, boy. Charles Gambino. Yep. Man, I forgot uh, about that. I know. Atlanta was so good. Uh, apparently, we're supposed to get more Atlanta, but it's been like, what, two years? Yeah, Maybe he's three. Supposed, he's supposed to be retired, drop an album, and all the above since whatever yeah. yeah um but oh one more quick off the cuff uh i just tonight actually before we hopped on this uh on discord here to record this episode i finished season one of the terror on uh it's also an amc show also an anthology really really interesting uh re i recommend that go check it out but the the one honorable mention i really wanted to talk about was uh, a show called What We Do in the Shadows, mm -hmm. which uh, is is another FX show. Um, if you if you could take like a house full of vampires and then like drop them into the office or Parks and Recreation, <laughs> like that's that's what we do in the shadows. That's exactly what it is. Um, it's it's a really really funny funny show um filmed in the mockumentary style um but it basically a documentary crew follows this house of vampires that live in Staten Island uh that have been living in America for hundreds of years and that came over to America to like 
dominate, uh, you know, the new world and turn everyone into vampires. But they all like really suck at being vampires. So they've just kind of been living in Staten Island. And it's like, it's so funny. If you like The Office, if you like Parks and Rec, uh, and you're also a fan of horror, the horror genre, and like, you know, monster, you know, werewolves, vampires, all that stuff. The show does an excellent job of just digging into all of those tropes and like taking them to the max, and it's hysterical. So, think... like, the Twilight meets the office? <laughs> yeah. I think Vampires in Stand Island sounds pretty cool. Dude, it's it's so funny, and it's a shorter show, so um, you know if you're just looking for something quick to watch, it's great. You will not be disappointed, and uh, it's actually kind of like Fargo, but more based off of a movie by the same title called What We Do in the Shadows, um, which was written and acted by Jermaine Clement and Taika Watiti, the uh, director of Thor Ragnarok. Um, and one third or one half of Flight of the Concords. Don't remember how many people are in Flight of the Concords, but that's where Jermaine's from. Um, but yeah, great show. It was really hard for me to pick between Fargo and what we do in the shadows. Nice. Well, that's Hulu. That's Hulu. That's Hulu. Good choices. Yes, yes. So Netflix, who wants it? Sounds like you. Sounds like me. All right. Well, you get to hear me ramble on even longer. Well, Uh, it was was your hardest pick, so. That's true. And we're we're dying to know what you finally settled on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Until the uh, last minute, huh? Yeah. No, really, like, I was writing this up, like, right before we jumped in this here. But, um, actually... Netflix, I, I almost picked a movie. Okay. Which we didn't really talk about. I, I almost picked Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Um, not a Netflix original, but very good movie that is super niche and uh, like really obscure that I wish more people knew about. Um, but I ended up landing on uh, Mind Hunter, you know, following the same. Uh, vain as Fargo, at least in genre, where it's it's hundred million percent true crime. Um, I'm assuming both of you have seen this. Yep. I think I've seen. If I'm thinking of the right one, I've seen two episodes. Wow. Why'd you stop it too? It's so good. Yeah. I. Is it is it like based on real ones or no? Mm-hmm. Yes. Hmm. Yep. So uh, this this show comes from the brilliant mind of David Fincher, which uh, is responsible for the movie Seven, Gone Girl, Girl with Dragon Tattoo, Zodiac, you know, just to rattle off a few. Uh, but it is based on a book, which I don't remember the, the title of, but it was written by uh, John E. Douglas, who is a real life FBI agent. Uh, and it's kind of based off of him and I believe his partners, uh, basically form formation of the behavioral science unit or, uh, that's, that is what it's called. Right. Cody. 
Mm-hmm. They're they're like department. That uh, but basically, the creation of this branch of the FBI that um, is responsible for, um, I don't know if profiling is the right word. Maybe it is. But basically, they are the ones that coined the term serial killers and like brought that whole reality to life. And they they kind of are responsible for digging into the psychological aspect of what makes, you know, these people who were serial killers, like turn into serial killers and like the motives and similarities and things like that. So they might be able to spot someone before, you know, they turn into, you know, a serial killer and there's, you know, trail of bodies, you know? Yeah. Or at least catch them quickly. Cause you know what yeah. to look for. So uh, all the killers that they follow and that they, you know, come on screen in the show are all actual serial killers. And one thing that I found super interesting is, um, like, I don't know if you've Googled any of the the names of the the killers in the show, but <laughs> most of the actors actually look like the killers that they play i mean <clears throat> excuse me yeah, it's pretty I know, okay. like uh like you know makeup and effects can do a lot of things but like <laughs> they like really hit that nail on the head and it's kind of like eerie and creepy they had in the most recent season uh manson right yeah and he yeah. like looked like it was oh, actually Charles Manson. It was insane. Yeah, it was spot on. It was spot on. Yeah. Um, so like that that's kind of one thing that really puts the show over the top for me is like um the fact that like they're 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 digging into like actual cases that happened of actual people. And like I don't I don't know what it is about true crime and serial killers and and all this stuff that's like super messed up and like really sad but it's like very fascinating to watch and learn about like i i I can't really explain it but like there's something there that uh, just kind of like pulls you in and and makes you want to i guess learn like what could be going on in someone's you know brain or 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 makeup or what what ha- what happened to a person like this that would drive them to do such like unthinkable things to people you know hurt you <laughs> yeah um was, was um something i was it was like a review on it really quick um like just some uh google comments on it someone was talking about maybe this plays into also why you like it but it could kind of slide as a period piece for the 70s because i do remember this from what i've seen the details that they hit on as far as like putting it in that time frame are really good yeah yeah that's one of the bullet points i wrote down was the aesthetics and like the the environments that um you know, you see in the show and like the props and the costume design, like it is so good and it's so on point. Like, 
um, like you're saying, takes place in the in the seventies, and like it's just great. You just, everyone's chain smoking in every scene. There's, <laughs> it's just, there's just something. There's just an appeal about seventies um, like office spaces and just like yeah. man, chain smoking. I think because it's just so like foreign to us. Wood panel yeah. everywhere and just cigarette smoke. <laughs> yep. I mean, uh, it, it feels like a documentary. Yeah. Like, it's it's so accurate that it feels like a documentary, like, in and yeah. of itself. Yeah, and and one of the, the things that makes it kind of interesting, too, is, like, it's it's a different take on the genre where a lot of, of the genre is more focused on, like, the crimes themselves and, like, putting those on screen. Uh, this one is in the complete opposite direction where I think maybe once or twice in the series so far, you actually see a body. You don't see any of the crime take place at all. And like 90% of it is just like very deep and rich and intense dialogue between the two FBI agents and the killers that they're interviewing. Mm-hmm. And it, like you don't see that very often, and it's just a really interesting take on on the genre. I, I feel. And the uh, second season, they started expanding more into the FBI agents' um, family and home life and outside of work stuff, and just yeah. kind of showing how that interplayed with how they do their job. Yeah, um, there's a really interesting, you know, connection that you can kind of make between uh, Holden Ford who's one of the main uh, agents and like the killers that he's interviewing. Like you, as the series goes on, you can kind of see a lot of similarities between how he is as a person and his personality and stuff. And the people he's been talking to, do you kind of like get that vibe too, Cody? Yep. Completely. And we've talked a little bit about the, uh, the son and some of the stuff that he's kind of going through. Oh, the, you and I. Yeah, the other the other character, Bill Tench's son, is that who you're talking about? Yeah. 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 Oh, that's just heartbreaking. Like, <laughs> um, without like giving away too many like right. spoilers yeah. or whatever, but like you you see one of the characters like <laughs> just can't escape, you know his his work life starts to really bleed into his wow no pun intended i did not mean that uh bleed wow. into his uh <laughs> personal family <laughs> life um but uh, on that topic of like holden and tench uh the two main characters are like great they're brilliantly written and acted like uh holt mccallany i believe I, I probably butchered that last name he plays bill tench and uh, Jonathan Groff plays Holden Ford. Um, their characters, like, the chemistry they have on screen is so good, and I, I kind of love how even though they're partners, they kind of, like, really kind of generally dislike each other. <laughs> um, and uh, I don't they're just acted very, very well, um, and, and the characters are based off of Robert K. Ressler and John E. Douglas, who were, you know, the FBI agents responsible for, you know, 
kind of creating this unit and whatnot, but how, how do you feel about, um, you know, the supporting cast and whatnot? Um, I guess actually never mind because Cody had to step away for a second and Nick hasn't really watched <laughs> very much of it. Um, what, yes. what have, do, does the show ring a bell? Is this the show you were thinking about? No. Yeah. This is completely the show that, um, Aaron and I started and I think it was um I think it was just like too slow at the beginning. I definitely found it interesting. Um I think I wanted to keep watching but for whatever reason we got pulled away. So I might have to pick it back up cuz I did like the first like 3 episodes or whatever I did see and it did seem like a really good quality uh show especially with their you know how much they dig into just the dialogue and how I like it when they introduce like new concepts, like when the FBI first figured out, you know, serial killers, they did the same thing in like Waco with, um, the one, you know, the one main character where he's saying, no, like there's a certain way we need to handle, um, negotiations, you know, with, you know, that kind of division of the FBI. So like that aspect of criminal justice or whatever and the psychology behind it from just law enforcement to more of a of a science is always interesting. Yeah. I think this show touches on that a lot because they uh they kind of push the boundaries of what the FBI would normally do in a interrogation situation. And they're kind of using these new approaches and new um styles to get information that they previously would not have got and so you have like your old school fbi guys who are like don't do that and then <laughs> yeah. you have this you know team of new people and are like actually i think that might work yeah well and even the interesting thing too is like one half of the the duo is kind of you know in the the old school mindset and then like that being built engine and then uh holden is on the other side where he's like basically developing all these new interrogation techniques that are getting the answers that they need but also like are walking that line of like is that actually an ethical way to get the answers that you need you know (laughs) and you kind of see that bubble up a couple times where it's not yeah, and they kind of overstep those bounds, and it lands them in the hot water. Yeah. And you you see the FBI kind of like um, adjust around them to these new styles, but there's pushback to it. Yeah, well, and like, uh, so I watch a lot of like true crime stories on YouTube and stuff. Or there's like a handful of channels that do a really good job of diving into actual stories and basically just elaborating on them. Um. There's uh, one channel in particular, I believe it's called the JCS Criminology something or other, Uh, but all of his videos, he basically analyzes interrogations. And there's been many times where I've I've talked to you, Cody, about this, where I'm like, yeah, can... All right, so there's like, it's, it's such a gray area because like these most of the time not all the time because you know people are human and they make errors or just like 
bad police work, detective work, whatever. Um, most of the time, you you know that this person did something heinous, and you like have to get them to admit it, right? So like, mm-hmm. if they are actually guilty of the things that they're being accused of, like you got to get that information out because what they did was so terrible. But at the same time, like I have to do it ethically. And it's just like, well, and, and uh, legally too. Yeah. Like, how do you do that? You know, this is a terrible person and he needs to be put away, but like you got to do yep. it the right way. And the show does a good job of showing how like, them trying to straddle that line and sometimes crossing the line but you know it kind of puts you in an uncomfortable situation where you're like i know that's a terrible person and they like they need to be put away but like i feel kind of gross that that was how they got put away you know yeah it's all on a a scale a sliding scale of you know that's mostly okay that's kind of okay that's walking the line and then that's over the line and then that's just terrible yeah. And you kind of see a splash of each each notch on that scale um, play out in different ways. And sometimes you're like, you know, these people are definitely guilty, so I don't feel as bad. But other times you're like, I don't know if they're guilty or not, and they definitely shouldn't have been, you know, interrogated in that manner. Right. And, and so it's... No there, are, there are plenty of real-life examples of people being put away for things that they did not do. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Yeah, so, but that's not a new thing. Yeah, so like, you know, uh, sometimes at the end of the day, like, they just got to pin something on someone, and like, sometimes they don't care who that someone is, so like... Yeah. Gotta um, hope that someone's so not that's you. kind of... Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's kind of like uh, makes you feel icky. Yeah, I mean, you've seen the techniques now. I mean, a lot of it comes down to um, at least persuasion, and at most kind of forcing you into saying what they want you to say in order to get the result that they want to get. Right. It's a, it, a thousand percent psychological warfare. Yeah. <laughs> so like, and if you, yeah. And if yeah, you're somebody ahead. that's, if you're somebody that's not aware of what's going on or, you know, have a, an impairment of some type that makes you more at risk for being persuaded, um, then it's yeah. especially tricky because, um, I think making murder a series, um, Brandon Dassey, um, was noted for having, um, some learning disabilities and whatnot. And, um, definitely the techniques that they used on him would, um, be unethical at best and legal pretty much in most places. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you kind of start to get into the, also the gray area of like profiling in general, like, you know, Sometimes because someone fits the general descriptions or assumptions of someone who might commit a certain type of crime or whatever, like doesn't necessarily mean that they did, but you know, you, that that's the hunch that you're, you know, aiming towards or like, you know, feeling. So like, then you just kind of like do whatever you can to make the shoe fit, you know? Yeah, I mean, further off topic, but I think uh, Central Park 5, which should have been on Netflix at some point, um, kind of touches on all that, too. Yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, but before we went down this rabbit trail, I I was about to ask you about 
you know, Ford and Tench's kind of dynamic together, like character, like written character wise and like actor wise, like how did you feel that those two you know, like played off of each other? I love it. Do they make it it's kind of a true detective feel to it? Yeah. Their their egos kind of play against each other and just watching that um play out on the screen is kind of awesome. They both kind of have the same goal in the end, but how they go about it and um how they live their lives outside of work just kind of spices everything up. Yeah. Um for sure I couldn't agree more. Like both actors are great and their characters are super interesting especially since they're so opposite and then just having to be together it with such a an insane intense like you know job it's just it's like it's like your traditional buddy cop film yeah um but nick back to your point you were talking about about um right before cody jumped back in about uh it kind of starting off a little slow um Unfortunately, the way the show is kind of styled, like that's just kind of how it is. There's not a lot of action. So if you're, um, you know, not someone who can be, not you particularly, Nick, but I'm saying in general, like if you're not someone who can, you know, focus on 50 minutes of dialogue and like five minutes of, people walking around or driving you know it's probably a show that is gonna be hard to like hold your attention but if you can really get down with some like super interesting dialogue and uh like the way that they mix the dialogue and build tension with using like certain camera angles and like certain you know at camera aspects and like uh lack of um like background music or you know intense you know sounding background music they they do such a good job of really making you feel on edge even though you're just listening to a conversation kind of i mean that's the thing is you have to pay attention though and like that's where the most enjoyment out of that show comes from is you are paying attention to everything that's going on and you are getting as involved in the main characters kind of reason for being interested in these serial killers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, it's not a show where you can just kind of like blank out and still get it. If you look away from the screen or don't pay attention to the dialogue, you miss everything and nothing. It's kind of like a catch 22. <laughs> it's like, there's yeah. not a lot going on, but also everything's going on. So if you're not paying attention, then you miss the entire show. Yeah. That's a, actually a really good way to describe it. <laughs> You miss everything and nothing at the same yeah. time. <laughs> just, oh, just what talking. I what did I miss? Uh, not much, but kind of everything. Might as well just stop. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's just start that part over. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that, that ended up being my pick. So uh, what did you pick. end up picking, Nick? For Netflix? Okay. Mm-hmm. I got a two-pack for y'all. What? Yeah, it's a two-pack. Two for the price of one. Yes, sir. Um, and I think because it, I don't know if it exactly fits an anthology series, but, um, I am going to recommend Narcos and Narcos Mexico uh, on Netflix. Um, and that's two pack because 
the whole thing about this show is it covers all the famous narcos of real life. Um, so the first narcos original is three seasons. It covers the rise and fall of Pablo Escobar. And then it goes into the Cali cartel. Um, Can I ask a question real fast? Yes, sir. It's probably a dumb question, but like, mm-hmm. is what is a narco? So narco is basically um, the cops that bust drug dealers. Narco uh, like Or the other way around. Yeah. Yes, a narcos refers to the police officer. They're getting the, the narco traficantes, the drug traffickers. Yeah. Mm, okay. So Sorry to interrupt. No, yeah, no. that's a good question. And the, like the premise of the show is it covers both the drug dealer and the cops um, going after them. And similar to um, Mind Hunters is this kind of also covers the same period when the DEA was born because mm. the whole drug thing became very apparent and a huge issue because of the rise of people like Pablo Escobar. So um, the show is just incredibly well done. Um, to me, it has like one of the best blends of required subtitle reading and then also English. So you essentially, you can't get away from reading subtitles in it because maybe 60 70% of it is in Spanish, like native language of the the speakers of the characters in the show, which just brings a very good level of authenticity to it. So um, to me, they do it properly where they're not, you know, they're not when it's just say Spanish speaking characters on screen, they're speaking English for you. But when there's English and Spanish, you know, they're speaking Spanish, they're speaking English, and it gets into that mess. It does it really well in the sense that when you are in a scene with both English and Spanish-speaking characters, the people are always speaking Spanish that speak Spanish, and then the English are obviously always speaking English, and then they, when English people speak the Spanish, it all fits perfectly. So they don't do any kind of aid or crutch to people who don't like to read subtitles. You have to read subtitles. But yeah, they, they don't have some Colombian dude just speaking perfect English, <laughs> right? No, Casa de Papel. No, actually, by the time you finish the season, it's like taking a uh, Spanish 101 course. You're pretty much good to go to Mexico and uh, speak free uh, freely after watching that season. Nice. So basically, I can't watch this show because I don't know how to read. Right. Yes, you would be I'm out. Super, OK, yeah, you'd be instantly out. Um, but also a little bit of a period piece because it covers the late 70s. 80s very well uh, when it comes to you know Colombia at points the second one is Narcos Mexico they're in Mexico a lot Um, so very good attention to detail there it brings in a healthy amount of real life footage so when they're covering real things that happened that were in the news they splice that news TV newsreel into the Mm. show so you're kind of yeah, at some points you're just seamlessly going from real footage to the drama that's acted out. So, I mean, sure, they take a lot of liberties and probably, you know, make it more exciting than it probably was. Um, but then again, you, you're watching this and you're like, well, holy crap. This might not be exaggerated either, because that's how insane this whole world is. That is rather real. 
you don't even have to exaggerate all that much. I right. mean, just thinking back on a couple of the incidents that stick out for me, you have the blowing up of a commercial airline and you mm-hmm. have the attacking of the Colombian Supreme Court with tanks. Yep. So, I mean, with real footage. So, like, you're watching yeah, with real footage. You're watching this show, and, you know, when you're watching the more personal kind of like story arcs where, you know, they're at a party or, you know, they had a big shootout, you're like, okay, a little dramatized maybe. But then <laughs> they're hitting something like attacking, you know, the sh- Supreme Court with tanks. You're like, well, no, they just put real footage in with that. Like, this is <laughs> really, funny, this really happened. Because of, of all things, you would think that would be the <laughs> overly <laughs> dramatized part. <laughs> like, no, right. Nope. Yeah, that's crazy. So, yeah, so it just does a really good job at almost becoming a documentary, but a dramatized one because it's all basic. I mean, you might as well take it for verbatim because all these are just really real stories that exist, you know, uh, accounts by the detectives that were um, actually involved. And they did a good job, like you said, with Mindhunters, they do a good job in this and matching the characters up that pretty well look like who they're, they're meant to be um mm-hmm. pedro pascal is in the first season he's pretty the biggest notable one there um well the first narcos the second narcos mexico has michael pena and diego luna um so there's a lot of good picks on acting the acting's well done it's overall a great series especially if you're into that realm of things yeah both dramatic and like exciting to watch, but also historical and you actually learn quite a bit. I mean, again, I'm kind of the history buff and I still learned a crap ton from it. Oh yeah. I mean, kind of like how we were talking with um, the last dance, like, you know about this stuff and then you watch these shows and you're like, well, I didn't know as much as I thought I did. And now I don't know a whole lot more. Um, yeah, exactly. And what I like that they're doing is they do Narcos and that covers a certain set of characters and then they do Narcos Mexico. And I'm hoping there's just going to be more and more, but there are periods where they overlap each other. So if you've seen Narcos and then you watch Narcos Mexico, there's scenes from Narcos Mexico that directly overlap with Narcos and then also parallel events happening and characters being referenced. And it just ties it all together very well. Mm Mm-hmm. But that's probably like when I open Netflix and it says there's a new, you know, ep- or they do the whole season at the same time. When they say there's a new season, Narcos, everything else gets moved down the list and I'm watching Narcos. Have they already confirmed a, a new season on the way? I don't think they have um, because the season two of Narcos Mexico was. Oh, the beginning of this, it came out in February this year. So I think they're probably just a little delayed with uh, current events. Then you COVID. Yeah. <laughs> so the next season, if they do one, then would be getting to like El Chapo and stuff, right? Yeah, because, you know, that's not really too much. That's the weird thing about the show is like, are there spoilers? Because everyone. It's all real life. Yeah, it's all real life. You and- can- you know, the look at the Wikipedia. Yeah, but yeah, but I think there's like a few ways they could go based off of Narcos Mexico because they they introduce El Chapo and 
handful of other ones. So there's room to do something, but yeah, I'm not seeing anything as far as a season three of this or a new break off. Hopefully that's not bad news. Those are the only two Narcos shows at this time though, just Narcos and the Narcos Mexico. Yeah. Total of five seasons. So it's a decent amount of material to go through and they're all 10 tenors, I believe. Yeah. sounds nice. right. Um, and I think because they focus on, um, the interaction with the United States and like the DEA specifically that they would probably only be able to stick to those, you know, two countries and they're also coming forward in time. So they're eventually going to catch up to the present. So I feel like Mexico is going to be the one they have to end on. Right. I mean, unless uh, they do narcos United some, States. Yeah. Or some crazy Canadian version. Yeah. I guess yeah, it's like could be getting in on that maple syrup trade. Canadian but... El Chapo. Yeah, and that's a good point. Is that's its main thing? Is it's highlighting basically the golden age of the DEA and the drug dealing cartels, and mm-hmm. this kind of like mythical world of '80s drug dealing DEA life yeah. that all really happened. <laughs> I think it kind of goes back though to the thing we talked about. Uh, one other time of like series don't they don't need to last forever you know right so like just tell the story that you're trying to tell and then like just let it end you know just make use the the time that you have the length that you have to really execute a great story and then just be done with it and be okay with it you know move on and Nick, you might disagree. I don't want to project my own opinion onto it, but I feel like the um, conclusion that they're pushing people to draw maybe is that the uh, drug war overall was kind of a failure. That you see a lot of the actions by the DEA in like season one um, causing these reactions that kind of spawn season two and then season three and then potentially a season four. Um, you know, I mean... I think as in they were breaking up the um the large cartels and this actually caused the spin-off of the smaller ones and the smaller ones became more violent than what the original ones were and so on. Yeah, I I think I mean I think objectively, I mean it is a, a, a failure of the drug the war on drugs from the get-go. But I also think they do a good job at painting it in this, you know, almost impossible light because they were fighting this thing that was uncontrollable because it was, it was larger than life. You know, these people that are real people, but they, the way they lived and the things they did were, you know, they were huge. I mean, Mm -hmm. the way they operated and things they did, how much money they made and had control of, like they basically bought entire countries and, you know, that whole continent essentially. Um, Wasn't Pablo pulling in like fifty million a month or something? Yeah, like dudes just there, <laughs> there, there, there's there's very likely just holes in Colombia that you could probably dig up like fifty million of Pablo <laughs> money just buried USD too. Well, it's like uh, it's like the the little bird boy from Ozark said in one of his episodes. I think right. it was like in his class or something where he talks about like basically everything is funded by drug money. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> if you think about it, like 
after it gets laundered and cleaned and pumped back into the yeah it's just it's insane yeah and they t- and they tie it in and you know also they're not you know they're not saying that the you know the war on drugs was lost for any particular reason that you know it wasn't a good effort more so that mm-hmm. so many things were working against them like even the US government itself the CIA all the things that they blend in there and they're like yeah they, these DEA agents can do it like the most ridiculous badass job but there's going to be something higher up whether it be a government or the CIA that's just going to be like well good job guys but you can't do that <laughs> Well, yeah, because you have on one hand the DA trying to bust these guys and the CIA actually paying them off on the other hand. Yeah, and they're trying to work like larger cases against them when really like, well, yeah, we're just trying to bust them for being the largest drug traffickers on the planet while you want to get them on some kind of political racket with the government. Yeah. It's just like a conflict of interest. And it gets Mm -hmm. into all that. And it is a drama that is about real life real the best kind yeah and the acting's really good in it too and then it, oh, yeah. it, it's got the the classic uh pablo waiting meme where he's just yes. sitting <laughs> on the ferris the swing set. staring over the, <laughs> yeah. the swing set i like the empty pole one a lot yeah, it's a good one <laughs> that meme is a classic <laughs> sad pablo just waiting for my calls to turn around that's great <laughs> Out. I guess uh, be happy to launder some drug money through that. Yeah. Said so, uh, that leaves you, Cody. What, what was your All Netflix right. pick? All right, quick, short, sweet, and to the point, and also completely different than my other recommendations. So, told you guys about it before, but actually, I'm going to combine my pick and then my honorable mention because they pretty much go hand in hand. So, last chance, you is my pick. And then QB1, Beyond the Lights, is my honorable mention. Obviously, these are about sports, football. Um, yes, the old these are. Ball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> these are not. Old pigskin. Yeah, go local sports team. These are not deep. There's not a lot to them outside of being documentaries focused around football. However, with sports kind of being on hiatus for a while, um, I particularly missed sports. And so diving back into these has been fun. Just to have something to watch. Um, QB1 is high school. Uh, Last Chance U focuses around college, Juco College specifically. So you basically have athletes that would have went to Alabama but ran into um, academic or personal issues and then decided to trade down the Juco. And so each season outside of the first two focuses on a uh, different junior college and you kind of get to see the players either grow and try to turn around and try to get back to an Alabama style school or continue screwing up their life and, you know, throwing football down the drain. It's, um, it's pretty good. The first seasons are better, I think. I would recommend one and two to start with. And then if you really like it and then getting into three and four, uh, I think there's also a fifth season. Not sure if I watched that one yet. Um, that one is the final season. If there is a fifth one, I know they were not going to be filming anymore, especially with COVID. Um, 
and then QB one beyond the lights um, season one, for whatever reason, got taken off Netflix. So that's the reason it wasn't my pick. Um, mm. But season one had Tate Martell in it. And if you're an Ohio state fan, and since we're in Ohio, I am, and I went to Ohio state, uh, Tate Martell was in season one. He was at Ohio state for two years before transferring. And then season Miami or something he did. And then he actually opted out of this year. Mm. Um, He wouldn't have started anyway. So it's not like a big deal. He kind of, he he was bust, honestly, but you get to kind of see um, behind the scenes of his life in high school and what it's like being, you know, the premier high school quarterback and like big man on campus and a bunch of cool stuff. Um, I played football in high school, so. For me, it's kind of a look back on the glory days through somebody else. So kind of living vicariously through somebody <laughs> else for your high school football game, right? Yeah. Um, and then season two, they have Justin Fields, who is the current Ohio State quarterback. So getting to watch him, um, he played college football in Georgia, I believe. Um, yeah, I believe you're right. And transferred up here. Yeah. yeah. Well, I know he played for Georgia um, college football. I think he went to high school there too, him and uh, Trevor Lawrence. But uh, he's the the real main focus of season two, so that's also interesting to watch. Obviously, it's kind of kind of niche. If you don't like football, then you're not gonna like this. But if you do like football, then you might be into it. Is this by chance filmed and funded by Ohio State? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's actually just one entire uh, recruiting video. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I think I... it just turns out that um, Ohio State gets the, the best quarterbacks in the country, so when you're yeah. focusing on the best quarterbacks of the country, they just tend to go to Ohio State. Yeah, can't argue with that. But, uh, you know, it's not it's not huge drama. It's it's high school drama, right? So it's not overly dramatic, but it is kind of funny to see. <laughs> yeah. It is cool, though, Like kind of like the last dance, just seeing people you know work towards their craft and trying to become the best of the best and like just putting in all the hard work and seeing the determination and work ethic it takes to really excel at something it's it it really can be a captivating thing to watch yeah i mean again i played high school football so I know what effort level I put in, which would explain why I didn't play college football, maybe. But, <laughs> you know, you see these these quarterbacks working with professional trainers and dietitians and their parents are taking them to these camps. And, you know, they're practicing at all hours of the day. And, you know, football is really their life. And so I guess it makes sense that they're, one, very good at it and to continue to be very good at it. Uh, Justin Fields, obviously, is going to be, you know, a Heisman runner up and he's going to go on to the NFL and all that kind of stuff. So seeing that that hard work and determination start at such a young age and just, you know, the effort that they put in for such a long time to get to where they are kind of makes you respect the uh, the craft and the professionalism a little bit, especially out of people that young. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and but just, it, like, seeing people juggle that with, like, oh, yeah, I also have to, like, get grades that don't suck so I can actually play. And <laughs> I'm, like... 15 16 17 and like i'm still just a kid and have like kid things you know right you're 17 and you're on espn but your english homeworks also do the next day yeah yeah it's it's a a, what a dilemma i know you got like 100 million twitter followers but you know you also got to go to gym class 
Yeah, you have to be in bed by like 9.30. Yeah, your parents are still telling you what to do. But, you know, you're like three <laughs> years away from a $10 million contract. Yeah, to buying them a house <laughs> before you can legally drink at a bar. <laughs> exactly. So, again, you have to like football to like this because if not, it's going to be super boring. But, you know, I, I do like football and I feel like there's a lot of other people that might have missed sports in this kind of weird time that you know this might be something to check out and it's also done by netflix so it's done well and it's shot well and you know the production's top notch and for qb1 the producer behind it is also the director of friday night lights i believe Mm. nice yep oh i was gonna make a joke saying that you know there's only so many times you can watch friday night Lights. (laughs) (laughs) see there it is there's actually a couple more times you can watch it just under a different name that's pretty great so did uh any of you guys have honorable mentions for netflix i just combined mine in so nick what do you got um my honorable i would say i mean i have a list uh the honorable mentions for netflix are the haunting of phil house which is just a little teaser for our october (laughs) content um the witcher animated f is for family bill burr go watch that it's just a good like on your lunch um you know knock out a 20 minute episode of that it's just bill burr being bill burr you know sidebar here i don't think there's enough or maybe there is maybe i just don't find these shows but enough of those like short you know 23 minute shows Dude, I think that's why like 40% of what I watch is cartoons um, or animation because that's where they're all at, basically. Or if you get into things like Community, um, Parks and Rec, but, you know, if you've seen all those. Right. But, I mean, that there's that whole collection of, you know, the Office, Parks and Rec, Community, and, you know, I think that, I feel like there's like seven of those very well-known shows where you can get those you know, there's like 10 seasons and they're all 20 episodes long. Yeah. They're out there. I didn't mean to derail your honorable mentions. Please continue, good sir. No, that's fine. Um, Stranger Things. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that show. That that one's too hot to recommend. Everyone's already seen it. Yeah, who hasn't watched that by now? Right. Uh, I feel like the new season should be Soon? Soonish. I feel like it's always that time of year. Didn't it come out? I thought it came out in July last time. Or like June, maybe? I think they move it around, actually, now that you say that. Yeah, well, I know the one season released the day I got my bar results, so that would have been in October. It would have been on, um, like, Halloween, or the day before Halloween. But then I feel like the most recent season came out in the summer. Yeah, yeah I think it, you're right. It had like Fourth of July themes, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Because I think they had all the fireworks when the the thing, you know, was mm. like the sky and stuff. I yep. feel like that's what it reminds me of. Yes, yeah, they look, must switch around when they release it. Looks like, um, we're looking sometime in 2021. Because 
filming would have reportedly finished in August of 2020 with a launch date of early 2021, but of course, COVID. Rip. So, yeah, we'll have to wait a little longer for that one. I have one more honorable mention for Netflix. Um, it's a it's a nice easy one. It's one season, eleven episodes. It's called The Get Down, um, and it's about the rise of basically hip hop and like disco music in the South Bronx in the seventies. Um, mm-hmm. Narrated by Nas, and it's just and it follows like a group of teenagers coming up in that scene. Um, but aesthetics are great. Um, captures that kind of like funky seventies vibe, but it's a good little, little watch. Yeah. That's a good one for me. I'm shocked. You don't, you don't have a nightfall on, on your honorable mentions. You know, I think that's because yeah, I separate um, Nightfall and Vikings into like the History Channel for some reason. Like that's just mm-hmm. where my brain goes. Even though I do watch those on. Um, Is Netflix. Vikings a History Channel show? Yes. Oh no way! It, it was like their first big one. Interesting. Like, yeah. I did not know that. Not the Vikings you watch. Oh, it's a different show, also called Vikings. No, it's called Vikings. The one you watch is called like Norsemen. Oh, no, yeah. No, the one I watch is called The Last Kingdom. Yeah, The Last Kingdom. This is this is the actual literal Vikings show. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that was a history channel show. I did know Nightfall was history, but I didn't know Vikings was. Yeah. Um Yeah, so I I have a, a short list of Netflix honorable mentions. Uh, just because out of the three services, this is the one I haven't really used that much recently. Um, but yeah, like I said, Last Kingdom is a really interesting period piece of you know when the the Vikings invaded England and were you know warring with the English and uh, super interesting show. I really enjoyed it a lot. Um, of course, Ozark can't can't leave that off um black mirror we mentioned earlier um there's a show that uh, airs on usa called the sinner um i've only watched season one but it was really interesting it had jessica beale and uh a really interesting and captivating story so if you're into you know murder mystery true crime stuff uh, that's a good one to watch um, and then, like I said, when we started off the Netflix section, um, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is probably one of my top three or five you know, favorite movies. Um, super obscure, uh, very comic book and video game-esque uh, in the way that it's presented. And uh, it's just a super funny film if you like michael Sarah, or um it's directed by edgar wright who did Shaun of the dead and baby driver and all those great uh hot fuzz type movies um scott pilgrim is one of my favorite movies that he's ever done and it's 
criminally underrated and underappreciated. Um, I I don't even know what made me go watch this movie one day in theaters, but uh, we have like a well, we used to have a discount theater around us um, where the movies were like a dollar, and Becca and I went one day and we're like, oh, that's a Michael Sarah movie. Let's go watch that. And then <laughs> I was just like blown away. It was such a great movie to see in the theater. But if you haven't watched that, definitely recommend it. It is amazing. That's your number one recommendation, like over everything. <laughs> yeah, at least <laughs> movie wise, it's like it's up there, man. It's great. Edgar Wright's a genius. But uh, yeah, I think that that That's does decent, it. I mean, decent amount of picks there. Yeah. I think solid fix. One thing that I was really looking forward to in doing this episode is like we all share similar tastes in like the big shows, but I think we all have some, you know, varying differences in shows that we kind of watch on our own. So I was really looking forward to hearing the picks that you guys brought to the table because I was, you know, hedging my bets that I had not watched them yet. So I'm I'm glad to get a few picks to put on my list. That's way too long of shows that I need to watch. Yeah, Nick's got some anime in there. I threw some football in there. Yeah, yeah, we did hit uh, a, a range of topics. I feel like, and Man in the High Castle that everybody agrees is great. Yeah, everyone go watch that. Nice. Well, um, yeah. Make sure you like and subscribe and follow and um, let us know what your picks are for for Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime. Uh, are there shows that we didn't talk about that you guys particularly you know enjoy, or um, have you seen any of the shows that we've mentioned? You know, what do you think about them? So just let us know in the comments. Uh, and yeah, thank you so much for tuning in we got a lot of exciting things coming up in october so make sure you keep coming back um Big hey, you guys got guys got anything else to say just gonna say no. october is a big month and we're gonna have a we're just gonna keep ramping up i feel like we got we just keep ha- having more stuff planned spooky stuff right? yeah we got the big spooks coming up so nice hold on to your britches using that period piece language <laughs> yeah well I guess we're out alright everyone say goodbye bye Craig later Craig <laughs> <laughs>